Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Alex Croson. As always, I'm alongside... Casey Clapp, the other host, and the tree fanatic. Hi, Casey. Hello, Alex, my zealot friend. <laughs> yes, I'm no, the expert I'm, here. Yeah, I'm the zealot. Sorry, fanatic zealot. What's the difference? Uh, I almost called you host number dose, ah. but in my books... Your host number Uno. Oh my gosh! You should see my books. They say the what exact they say? same thing about you. <laughs> I was like, I wrote that down today. Is like Alex is the number one host, right? I'm just here to make sure that he still talks about trees. Yeah, I think probably most people tune in to hear uh, me. Yeah, it's because you got for the, a tree podcast. Yeah, it's because you got the gorgeous voice. Like honestly, I don't care what they say. I just want to hear him talk. And then it's like, oh wow, this other guy is an expert. That's yeah. kind of a cool bonus. Huh? When are they going to get somebody else on? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like that's okay with me. Do you think we'll be like one of those podcasts, or like one of like you know how like a band, like maybe I don't I can't think of one of them, like uh, Grateful Dead, sure. maybe okay. or Fish. Uh-huh. We'll have like you go to their Wikipedia page and it's like members and then they have like four people and then it's like past members yeah and and it's it's like 18 people gigantic list so we'll just like kind of swap out hosts over the lifetime of like new doctor who's yeah exactly but we're always going to be casey and alex like yes no matter what we have to find people with our names yeah precisely yeah send in your resumes now uh if you are if you are either named casey or alex um and uh let us hear your voice we want to make sure that you sound exactly like us um for continuity's sake Mm -hmm. i don't want those like uh uh uh, axel rose and uh no no what was the band uh van halen oh yeah they switched singers halfway through and everyone's like either in one camp or the other you know, the Eagles did that when uh, Glenn Fry died. Really? And his son took over, and his son is incredible. He no looks way. and sounds just like his dad. I had no idea. Hey, I also didn't know Glenn Fry died. Yeah. Some time ago. Glenn? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think it's Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry? Yeah. yeah. Two ends. Suddenly, it sounds like a made-up name in my yeah. head. Ah, well, that's the way it goes. Who else did that? The ACDCs. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 they did. Because it wasn't that... fun, actually. The guy died in a pretty sad way, but anyway. Did he, like, choke on his own vomit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was he was sleeping off being too drunk in a car, and they just yeah. laid him down on his back. Yeah. So Fuck don't do man. that, uh, everyone. Drink, uh, drink so you don't throw up, and if you do, uh, don't just leave your friend in a car. Yeah, lay him on their side. Yeah, sad story. Oh, boy. With that, Casey, we go. We're going to talk about more fun stuff, <laughs> is what we're going to do. Today, we're talking about a tree, and that tree is the pinion pine. You are yum yum yumming over there because the yeah. pinion pine produces pine nuts. Yes, it does. And Casey, what's the what's the uh, Italian name on the? I'm sorry, Latin. Name. Yeah, the Italian name on this is pinus edulis. Pinus edulis. Yeah, edulis meaning edible. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that easy to remember? It's built right into the name. Yes, exactly. Now, I do want to say that that's the, like, the main one we're covering, but we're actually kind of covering all of them. It's, Today? Yeah, in, in some regard, because they all kind of do the same thing. They're all very closely related. Many of them hybridize. Not all of them. Um, all of what? Not oh, the pinion pines. Pinion pines. Oh, yeah. there are multiple species of pinion pine. Correct. Yeah. There's, wow. There's a bunch of different species. But pinion or pinus edulis is today's. Yes, correct. Technically, okay. that's the one we're going to start with. But let me see here. There is like I think twelve species is what it looks like. That's a lot. But some of them are here. Some of them are there. Are you a lumper? Are you a splitter? Do they hybridize? You know, uh, okay. come on. You know, there's there's all sorts of these different questions. They are phylogenetically very closely related. Phylogenetically, what a word! What case. a word! Honestly, I say that perfectly every time. <laughs> no, we didn't just do three takes of this. 
<laughs> Philo, uh-oh, phylogenetic? Yes. Okay. Phylogeny. Phylogeny. Yes, which is a word we've used multiple times in, in, in very cryptic ways. Oh. Essentially, it's the, tree, it's the tree of relations, where you have one tree oh. splits into two trees. One of those trees then also splits into two trees. Now you have three species. I see. Then they trace them all back to this one like species. The mother tree. Yeah, and it's in the uh, um, the subsection Symbroides, I believe, of pine. Okay. And um, so because of that, they're all just like these really, these wonderful, like uh, weird little desert trees that grow in the Southwest. Um, all the way down from, uh, actually, I think the most northern ones I've seen are in Idaho, in like the very northern section of the Great Basin. Uh-huh. And then they go all the way down, kind of spread out through New Mexico, California, Texas, and then down through Mexico, all throughout Mexico. There's a lot in Mexico. Well, Casey, let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I are in said Great Basin. Oh, my God. And we come across some beautiful pinion pines. They're so gorgeous. And we haven't eaten for days, and we are we are scrounging <laughs> for these nuts. Casey, let's talk pinion pine. All right. Pinus edulis is the edible pinion pine. And if we're walking down through a forest of this, the first thing we'll notice is that it is a really wide open place. There's not like, um, it's not like a closed canopy oh, forest. okay. So you can kind of like walk through. They're all maybe... 25, 20, 30 feet tall to like the maximum. They're, wow. they're low trees. They only kind of grow up and then spread out, um, but don't really get so close that they're like right on top of each other where they're forced to grow up. They social distance. They do. They socially distant, and, or they are socially distant, and they tend to um, create these big, round, like very creamy, um, gray-colored leaves where they're like, you can see the green, but then they have what's called two lines of stomata on their leaves. Now, I know stomata as a flower term. No, I don't. Hold on. I'm thinking of stamen. Yes, correct. And the stamen's what creates the um, the pollen. Stomata is the stuff underneath a leaf, right? Uh, Yes, correct. Especially on needles of conifers. Um, but in this case, they're actually on top of it as well, okay. which is why it has kind of a, um, especially in the early season, like not uh, not later in the year, that bloom is really present. It can kind of get washed off a little bit. It's really visible and obvious on newer leaves as they come out. Okay. Um, and it's what gives it that bluish tinge to it or a grayish oh, kind of tinge. Do you wow. see that? Yeah. It's kind of like a blue, gray, green. Yeah. It's kind of a pastel. It's a very soft it color. It really is. Yeah. And they just... The, the trees grow up and they have one central stem and then they kind of pop out into multiple uh, stems going around. Yeah. But they just don't get really big. They're like these tiny little globes of trees. Yes, it's great. It's kind of a sprawler. Yeah, exactly. And this is because they grow in such harsh conditions, either at high elevation in deserts where there's no other trees mm. below them, or they grow in like lowland desert areas that just get enough water, and but they have to keep themselves spread apart, similar to junipers. In fact, they grow with um, the uh, juniperus osteosperma, um, wow. the Utah juniper, all over the place. Yeah, isn't that a great name? That is really juniperus good. Juniperus oste- osteosperma. It sounds like a problem. The name is yeah. osteosperma. Juniperus osteosperma. Oh, my God. I'll take a gin martini. <laughs> I'll take a gin martini. Oh, is that a future episode? <laughs> I don't know how, but yes. You're going to hear the clinking in our glasses as we get saucier and saucier. <laughs> By the end of it, Tangle and Cousin of Honor. I love this shit. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, it's the James Bond of trees. <laughs> Man, that was the worst episode they've ever done. <laughs> it's <This is> unlistenable. <laughs> well, hopefully this one is still listenable. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Yeah, we're not drinking gin right now, but we are eating these pine nuts. So they have these needles, and uh, you know how uh, we talked about pine trees before, and they have needles that are in these fascicles, in these bundles. So they come out, and they are either two-needled, three-needled, or five-needled. Right. I've heard you talk about two-needle pine, three-needle yeah. pine, five-needle pine. Yes. the This tree is a two-needled pine. Okay. But the reason I'm kind of like, is because it will hybridize with another species of pinion called Pinus monophylla. And that is another species that they actually only have one Monophylla, one leaf. That's exactly it. Okay. So Pinus edulis uh, can get it on with this one 
one needle pine. Exactly. And you know what's funny? Is that uncommon? It's super uncommon, okay. except for these trees. Remember how I was saying they kind of can hybridize a lot? They're, they've all split, but they're all from a really closely related family. Pinions, you mean? Pinions, yeah. Okay. They're so closely related as a group that they will, in fact, hybridize. The only reason they generally do don't is because they're so spread out in such dry areas mm. that they generally don't have um, abilities to like transfer pollen across you know vast mountain ranges or a huge desert or something like that. Oh, okay. So at some point, um, they started moving down before like the Rockies even existed. So there was more or less water coming in during the summertime everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, as the climate really changed because of these big things, you started getting these distinct populations that started to develop and um, were just genetically now dissimilar from each other enough that we call them species. Okay. So our species um, has only two needles, but then there's another one, Pinus Pinus monophylla, that has just the one needle. Okay. So then when you get those grown together, sometimes it'll only have a single needle, sometimes it'll have two needles, and that changes apparently by the amount of water and how much precipitation it gets during the summertime. Oh. So if it's uh, in drier years, you'll start start showing more of the the single leaf uh, appearance. And then if you have a lot of wet years, then it'll start putting out two needles. Is that, oh, on, on the same tree? On the same tree. Wow. Isn't that wild, Depending dude? on how much water it gets one year, it might put out a different number of needles than it does the next year. Yeah, correct. That's what I've read. That's incredible. Yeah, so that's a hybrid uh, between- That's a smart tree. Isn't it like, if, honestly, you know, you take a hybrid, you put it together, it's got genes from both sides, it makes yeah. it super adaptable sometimes. Other times it creates some weird, uh, like, trichromate thing that you know can't reproduce and I see. you have a banana yeah triploid that's the word try trichromate don't don't write that down children don't write that down <laughs> it went over my head <laughs> perfect I'm glad you said something. Well, so it's got these two needle pines. They uh, are these two needles. They grow out in these fascicles, so they usually stay in those bundles. And they uh, not very big trees. Again, very small, dark green, but with this light tinge all over it that has yeah. these, from this uh, stomatal bloom. Um, this has utility bark, but like rough utility bark. It's got like Carhartt utility bark. Wow. And that's because it's in a fire prone area. It okay. grows in the driest, arid, arid most regions of these here United States and North America, um, as well as um, just generally Southwest. I was going to say in Mexico, but I was like, no, but Mexico's in North America. So I got that covered. It, yeah, the bark to me looks, it does look plain, but it does look thick and tough as fuck. Yeah, that's, I think so. It's like it, it's not messing around and it's not going to let you get away with anything. How would you describe it, Casey, visually? Ooh, visually, I, let me see. Okay, I think they would probably be. So I see it as it like splits apart. And mm-hmm. so it has like on the outside, it's kind of light brown. It kind of fades as it gets older, but it splits up and looks not quite scaly, but not quite not scaly. It also looks like it would have um, kind of like it's almost peeling back. Do you see that at all? Uh, a little. Yeah? Uh, I, I definitely wouldn't call it like we've talked about puzzle piece bark before. Yeah. It's definitely not like that. Uh, but it also kind of looks like to- it looks like a topographic map. That you know what? That's a really good way to describe it. Thank you. I see the topographic map where you you have like all the lines, so it kind of comes out and comes in of like desert bluffs. Yes, perfect. Oh man, Ugh, the tree knows what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does. It looks great. It looks like has half orange, half not orange. It looks almost corky to an extent, mm. and it looks like it's obviously ripping itself apart, but not in a cohesive pattern. It usually kind of okay, here's a little bit where the old bark has broken, so then that's where it creates a little furrow over here. So it just kind of, I don't know, it looks like it's really big, thick bark scaled down. I think Carhartt bark is a great way to All say right, it. let's go Carhartt bark yeah, then. This is, great. <laughs> this is the working person's bark. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. So it, uh, it will avoid fire because of that, and it's in this super fire-prone area. Yeah. Um, and it will grow up, and that's why they also keep themselves really spread apart nicely. They, don't, they can't use the same resources because there's just not enough water oh, there. Oh, sure, okay. So they got to keep themselves spread apart. They develop these perfectly nice little small crowns, and then they create these gorgeous little cones. Yeah, let's talk the cones. Official pine. Pine cone, pine cone. Yes, this is a true pine cone. Yeah, so anyone who's been accidentally saying pine cone this whole time, you're right. Yeah. This time you're right. Accidentally correct. Yeah, someone accidentally said, uh, hey, we think you guys should, uh, it should uh, we think it's funny that you're giving this tree a X amount of pine cones of honor, uh, and we uh, just uh, shook uh. our heads. 
We've never said that they were golden pine cones. Exactly. Of they said that we said that, and I was like, nope, not even once. <laughs> not How about even you once. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, I will say our our logo for our podcast is supposed to be the golden cone of honor. We've yeah. kind of retconned that a little bit. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't it didn't start that way. You know what's funny, Alex? I the whole time really had that in my brain that that wow. was that was the the because it, it has the colors of yes it. so I always thought oh yeah there's our golden cone of honor that's okay our, yeah. then I I take it back it was it was from the beginning well that's the thing is from that the co creator but you were the one who like really speared that whole the design of it sure so I I just assumed that you were like yeah totally that's it <laughs> no <laughs> yeah. it was sub- totally subliminal <laughs> well done but that is a pine cone wouldn't you say yes but it, the funny thing is that it's a generic pine cone our, yeah. our who did this the amazing uh uh jillian she like put it together and we're like yeah just a cone could we just get something like this here's some options yes and she uh she put it on there and i was like both of us were like it's perfect we love this just add add these colors and that would be wonderful but it is a generic pine cone yeah there's none that are exactly like it so it's it's a uh a characterization yeah you know when if you ever google like the average man yeah and they take like statistically (laughs) every person's body and face and put them into one thing can we call sort of the average cone it is that you're exactly right it's it's the vitruvian cone yes the vitruvian what it is A picture of perfection. Yeah, we got to draw that up with all the the scales and things with the cone. Oh so like, my see how it's perfectly God. symmetrical. This is the exact ratio we're looking for. That's a great merch idea, but I yeah. would I would I would yes and that. <laughs> I would punch that up a little bit and say make it a tree because it kind of looks like a, oh, a person standing. I like see. That, you know. Well, then we'd have to superimpose the tree behind it. Yes. All right. We're gonna have to talk to our artists about this and get some uh, get some some schematics drawn up. That's a good. It's gonna be very scientific. That's a good one. All right. So the cones, cones. Back to the cones. The yes. cones. The pine cones of Pinus edulis, of course, are the funniest looking things, and they are deliciously filled with these little seeds. I say little in comparison to say the pehuen, but. They are huge compared to almost every species of pine that we get. They're big, they're thick, they're oily, and they're inside these little shells. And you have to break that shell, pops open, and you have this really juicy little uh, little seed. Yeah. And the big thing with it is that it its cone has developed. It's kind of short and squat. Yes. And it has these big like cups where the the seed sits on the uh, yes. the individual scales, and the scales are like. I don't know. They look like big and flat. They look like they're scales that are like swollen. Like they just look big and kind of awkward. Yeah, they're really thick. They're thick. That's exactly right. They're just these kind of weird like glue, 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 glue. And then they have these big seeds on it. You know what this cone is? What? It's T-H-I-C-C. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought that's, I mean, I assume that's what you were saying. Yeah. Yeah, these is thick cones. That, I scales. love, I, Casey, love these cones I think they look so. They're like halfway between a cone and a flower. They really are, yeah. And they, but they don't hold the same. Like, oh, that's that's a cone for sure. Yeah, it just doesn't look like it. They look like something completely else. Yeah, completely different. Completely but, different. And then when you see it, like I think when I first saw them, I was like, is that is that cone like broken? Is it like is is there what is that? And then I had to go up and like pull it off and be like, oh my god, this is like very much a cohesive cone yeah it just looks like it's sloppily drawn together <laughs> yeah it looks like a first draft cone it does yeah this is a first draft cone and uh then all of a sudden they're like oh my god everything's eating everything from it we, we gotta change this design and then they came up with the coulter pine and now the cones yeah. will kill anything <laughs> it also uh it also seems from these photos i'm looking at the cone seems to grow at the end of the foliage yeah they're way out there at the tips of the branches yes yeah. and then they fall they don't um, retain or they're not retained on the branch. Okay, they'll fall off on the ground, and you'll see them just littered everywhere. Is that is that somewhat unique? Them being at the tip of the branch? No, I don't think so. Okay. The, a lot of trees will do that, and they just grow them. That's like the big physiologically active space on the tree. Sure. So they'll put all their cones out there at the end, and then everything as it keeps growing, those old cones will fall off, and then the next year it has the new growth where I it see. does the new cones. Yeah, some trees okay. will just keep their cones on their branches for years years and years like a larch uh, yes exactly a larch the knob cone pine and some species of other trees Uh, okay i was thinking of another cone uh bishop pine does this as well um 
And they, uh, yeah, Table Mountain Pine. A lot of pines really do this. It's mm. usually a serotonous thing where they just keep them really tightly closed on the tree until okay. some really big heat or fire comes through, whoosh, washes them out. I see. So in this case, they don't do that. They just drop them and they put on new ones later. The sugar pine also does this where they only put it at the very tips of the branches, but they're these big, gigantic, like foot and a half long cones. Yes. At the very, very tips of the branches. So it looks like someone is like holding out these cones at the very extent of with their very <laughs> pinkies. And you can see this big, gigantic tree with these little like bloop, 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 all on the side. It's yeah. really great. It look, almost like the way you would decorate like a Christmas tree. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> with these comically large cones. That's so funny. Oh man! Well, that is this is the uh, this is the tree that is so famous in the Southwest because of these cones and these seeds specifically. Yep, and they are not only interesting in how they developed; they're also interesting in that they developed with the peoples that were developing down in this area for generations upon generations. And Casey, more about these seeds and these peoples and these animals mm-hmm. after. The break. We'll be right back. We're completely arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Casey, I, have a, I had a funny idea. Alex, I want to hear it. Uh, you said Bishop Pine? Yeah. I thought... Uh, that would be good if you were like if you were writing like a, a Deadwood type show. Uh huh. You could you could have a character Bishop Pine. Hi, I'm Bishop Pine. Yeah. Yeah. Would he would he be like the the gunslinging uh like Catholic bishop? You know. Sure. Out on the frontier. Yeah. I like that. He oh you know what he used to be a priest. Ah. Although I guess Bishop. Yeah. Eh. Well, you know, yeah, let's call it Bishop. And he, he, like, something really bad happened to him. He lost his faith. Yeah, he right? lost his faith. But probably, like, in, a, in one of those epic ways, it's like, well, he's justified. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Just like that show, Justified. Exactly. <laughs> and then I, I think that he, he, leaves, he leaves the church and becomes, like, kind of a gun for hire. Yeah. But uh, he keeps his, you know, his robes, mm-hmm. so he's unsuspecting. Ah, you know, that would be, yeah, then he flips it open, and he's got all of his, yeah. I'm pretty this sure that's a, a thing. This is a Western I'd watch. He, like, uh, rips, I, I can imagine, I've seen something before where a priest rips open their robes, and there's a bunch of guns and shit. <laughs> I think I have, too. I feel like that was from uh, Hot Fuzz. Oh, God, yeah. I think that might be what that's from. That does happen in that movie. What a great film. I love that movie. I love everything that Simon Pegg has ever done. Yeah, I might watch that this evening. Yeah, I highly encourage it. So today we're talking the pinion pine, pinus edulis, the edible pine. And Casey, what we eat from this tree is something that colloquially is known as colloquially is known as the pine nut. Yes, correct. Although it is a seed. Quite, Alex. And don't don't take this information and, and... and bastardize it and go to your friends and say, you know, it's actually called the pine seed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Please do a little bit. I am anti that. Oh, uh, I want it to be a Snapple fact or something. Like, you know, someone's like, hey, give me a fact. You listen to a podcast about trees? Come on, give, give, give me a tree fact. Well, if they yeah. ask for it. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, if they challenge you. But it is. You're exactly right. And that's, it's, it's, it's a culinary versus a botany kind of thing you know where yeah. it's like well technically a tomato's a berry and everyone's like no one is ever <laughs> no one's ever gonna actually say that i th- i think i'm just i am anti uh pedanticism yes pedicism i i don't like uh when i don't like when people are pedantic yeah which, and i am not pedantic i don't give a shit about what you say your you know? technicalities yeah. yeah i have to say i've i've done it multiple times and i've i'm trying to do it less i've actively been like stop calling it a pine cone i'm like i don't care whatever sure that <laughs> I, I don't know i guess it's in the way that you say it's yeah. in the way that you say it <laughs> the only time that i would do this alex 
is if you are like a you're you're trying to be like a, a professional mm-hmm. or like you know really like specific and like sure. I'm an expert on this. Um, yeah, remember when I called out uh, uh, Tobin about that when he said this is the yes. giant sequoia pine cone and he knew he was like I made him sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> like he, it, we, we that was hilarious because you know I've done it a hundred times. Uh, I'm sure. Sure. But whenever someone is like. Uh, like writing a, a, a oh I'm I'm a knowledgeable article writer I'm writing this you know for your information or like correcting you or something like that and they just keep making that mistake it's just like you you've you've missed something so entirely fundamentally small and singular yeah but it ruins all of your credibility yes. for everything you've said totally so eh, I'll try not to be pedantic but in this case yes technically speaking yeah. the pine nut is in fact the seed of something that is a naked seed which is in no way related to nuts entirely right but if you are putting it in a big pile of things that we colloquially or uh, culinarily call a nut it's right there yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. And Although it does, it doesn't have a nut vibe. I don't know. You like, don't think so? I don't think. When I have you ever seen a pine nut in mm. a mixed nuts? Yeah, that's true. Well, it's because it's so expensive. You you get lost. It's so small. You find macadamia nuts in a mixed nut. Yeah, I Those guess are more that's expensive true. Than pine I nuts. Really? Wow. Well, you're right. I guess that's reasonable. But they're so sharp. You think it's like just a flavor thing, or I don't. I, know. Don't, I think it's that they're they're really small. They're smaller than most culinary yeah. nuts that is true right even the peanut which is like a small nut is mm-hmm. bigger than a pine nut yeah. it's like five times as big as a pine nut which is funny because the peanut is also a seed of a pea plant like uh, it's not even a nut in any possible way yeah anyway back to it this is the lumper and splitter of the culinary world it is that's totally right and that's that's kind of the thing though like does it matter if we call it a pine nut versus a pine seed you know if right. we're putting it together like the cashew is not a nut it's like this thing on the end of a poem yeah i'm not, sorry not a poem a droop like it's a weird growth so all these things put together if we just call them nuts they're all like you know high in fats high in lipids high in oils you know really protein-rich things. Yeah. Those things all, like, fit in a certain category. Yes. And what's funny, actually, about this, we're going to do an episode a little bit later, Alex, about taxonomy, like, how we categorize stuff Mm. and as, like, human beings. And this is, like, one of the things that this whole book talks about. It's called Naming Nature. And she specifically brings up, like, there's a lot of folk taxonomies where people would put all these different plants and animals in different groups. Folk taxonomy. Yeah. I like that. that. That's great. Yeah, it's great. And, like, it's all just individual people have developed their own systems and their own names for literally everything. Sure. It just so happens we kind of said, okay, can, let's just use this one big system, Linnaeus, you know, uh, the kingdom family or kingdom oh. phylum class family, all that kind of Is stuff. Is that where binomials come from as yeah, well? Okay. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so that works out great. And it's nice because it's universal over everywhere. So we can, if we're talking about A, then if we go somewhere else and we're talking about that same plant, plant A, everyone's going to know exactly the same thing. So it yeah. standardizes it, which is fine. Yeah. But there, why not? Why why not say, yes, these are all nut trees, even though one's a juniper, one is a tropical tree with a droop, the other is an actual nut, the other one is a pea family, pea pod thing that doesn't right. even produce this at all. I think it's fine. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's fine too. I I think also like it's sort of a weird clashing of two cultures, mm. the scientific community and the food community. Yeah, right. Which are inherently have to do everything with each other. They totally do. Uh, cooking is a science to it's some like, degree. Yeah, it's like chemistry half the time. Yeah, and it's also an art, of course. Right. Um. But. Yeah, I, I I don't know. That's interesting because I I would uh, looking at nuts. I'm like, yeah, these are all these are all basically extremely similar. They yeah. As a consumer of them culinarily, who right? would know the difference, yeah. right? Yeah, but that is the thing is that they are they they fill that niche down in the Southwest for these people, um, all the native peoples who've grown up in uh, in the Southwestern United States in northern Mexico. Yeah, which are you know you name it. There's a huge amount of tribes that everyone's like, oh yeah, the the Hopi, the Navajo, the Apache. Mm-hmm. Like they're it, they're huge huge population centers. But then they also have like these long spread out kind of uh, um, uh, population, not centers. What I'm, I'm trying to say that they have big cities like population centers that were also really far spread apart. Okay. Geographically. Sure. Um, and there were people that lived there way before like the Hopi that had developed like gigantic buildings. I got to look up the name because I keep forgetting it. I think it's uh, Azizi or uh, uh, Agazazi. 
something like that. I'll look it up. Okay. Um, and they essentially were these people that were before the Hopi built these gigantic cities and they had already practiced agriculture. That's the interesting mm. thing is that everyone thinks agriculture developed over in the Middle East and then we brought it over here. That's just completely wrong. It was developed independently in North America. All over the place, yeah. Okay. And so in in North America, specifically corn in Mexico, yeah. one of the very first things that they found. Um, I was in southern Utah um, earlier this year, and we went into this canyon, and there's cave paintings way up on this wall, mm. and there is evidence of where there used to be one of these kind of um, c- cliff dwellings, essentially. Yeah. It's not really on a technical cliff. You have to hike up this little, you know, steep incline. Once you get there, if it's very flat. There's a big rock overhang, so it doesn't get very wet if wow. it rains. And there's like, you can see that they clearly had built up something that's been knocked down over the years, but they found little tiny corn cobs that are maybe like three or four inches long and they found the stems of squash plants none of which grow natively in this canyon yeah none wow. of them yeah and they couldn't have been brought up to this area because the high water is so far below that there's no way the water got that high ever so oh so they were br- they were uh, they were uh what's the word i'm looking for Ag- not agricultured they were cultivated yes ag- <laughs> I, I like agricultured <laughs> they were cultivated and then brought to this place is what you're saying. Uh, yes, exactly. Okay. And they were brought there um, a long time ago, probably native of Mexico. So these people were trading these things mm. back. And so along with corn and squash, they would go out and collect along with the birds and the um, all the other animals in this area, the seeds of the Pinus edulis, of all the pinion species, because most of them make some big seed that you can eat. I see. So it would go, and they were this incredibly important aspect of their diet. Casey, I want to stop you right there and say that we are going to be talking about indigenous peoples of North America today. Yes. And the pine, their relationship to the pine nut. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the pine seed. Oh, Alex. And we have, uh, we are, as we, we've posted about this on Indigenous Peoples Day, you and I are two white European men. Yes. Right? Talking about indigenous people. Yeah. And we've gotten some extremely helpful, kind-hearted messages from people who say, who called us out appropriately, I think, because we used language that suggested uh, that the things we were talking about happened in the past. Yes, yeah. And that are no longer happening. Correct. There are there are indigenous people living and and cooking with these ingredients today, uh, and so going forward, we will not be using that. I think it's a erasure. Uh, language. Yes, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I've, I've, I, I believe I just said that, right? Yes, but that's okay because we're learning and we're trying hard. I appreciate that, but I've also that is something that has been brought up to me, uh, not like uh, in a way that's like stop doing this. It was just like I'm learning about these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was always like, oh, geez, yeah, these people are still here. But whenever you talk about like um, this like history thing, it, the the cultures were so so different and so spread apart with like the colonization coming over mm-hmm. that I always imagine these things in like the wild west days you yes know? yeah and it's, it's a it's a hard like cultural thing that I has clearly been knocked into us entirely like those days are over you know right you'll have to excuse Casey and I we were raised in a school system that <laughs> erased an entire you know uh, uh, millennia of people who lived in this country before we did um so we were we were raised to think that Native Americans, or probably as it w- they were called back when we were kids, Indians, yeah, right, uh, were like a thing of the past. Yes, not the case. Exactly, not the case. Thanks very much for bringing that up, Alex. Yeah, yeah. we are happy, and this is one thing that we wanted to make sure that we um, did for this episode specifically was note that yes, this is like still in use. Like we looked up several videos of people saying, "Here's how you do right. it." Like this is how we've always um, taken care of and harvested these trees. Yes, for their seeds. So thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for your kind, your your helpful comments and and pointing things out. Uh, Casey and I are learning and doing our best. And uh, Casey. Take it away. 
Well, thanks, Alex. Well, that's mainly really what we wanted to talk about uh, was the uses of these trees. Obviously, we've talked about these. We're just we are riffing on how cool this tree is and yeah. how interesting. So, in in the sense of it being such an intensely used tree, um, when agriculture first started coming up from Mexico, um, that had the like I said, corn, which has a very small amount of. Um, like protein and like lipid value. Hmm. Um, it's full of sugar. It's, it, it'll absolutely uh, give you the sustenance, but you also need the addition of corn and there's, I'm sorry, uh, addition of squash. And they probably also had beans, which if we remember from the, uh, um, uh, an episode we did a while back and we brought up braiding sweetgrass. Yes. The term for that is the three sisters planting in the, I think um, she was talking from the um, Potawatomi culture. Okay. And um, they plant plants uh, in these three sisters formation, which is corn, beans, and squash. Ah. Each one helps each other out in a certain way, and you have this commingling of um, plants that provide nutrients and nitrogen for each other. Oh. One, the corn stands up and the beans crawl up the corn. Squash grows around it. The beans put nitrogen back in the soil. Corn takes nitrogen out. Out of wow. the soil. And it was like this really, really like subtle, like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't, if you look at it, you're like, hey, you just have a bunch of things planted in the same area. But yeah. it's like, yes, but very specifically, because each one of those three sisters provides a certain amount of nutrient and a certain addition to your diet that's really important. That's beautiful. And they also help each other out in terms of the plants as being these three sisters. Yeah. So add in, then, you have these kinds of plants that are growing and already being um, cultivated. Then you add in all these delicious tree nuts that you can get, and you can eat all these little seeds all mm-hmm. over the place. And they were they made them into flowers. They added them into things. They dried them. They stored them. They did everything. Like These were a huge, important um, part of the diet of all these people way back when, before we added in you know all the other modern agriculture things that we have now. Yeah. Um, but people still go out there. They cover vast spaces of land because a lot of it's BLM land or it's a national monument or a park or something Mm -hmm. like that. And um, they will grow all the way up to like the highest points because they're spread around by another animal that eats them a lot, which is a jay. Um, many different bird species. Oh. Sorry, a jay bird. I thought you were trying to get me to guess and that this animal's name started with J. Oh, no, sorry. Like a jaguar. <laughs> a jay, uh, juniper. Oh, shit. No, all the that, way that, up uh, here, a jaguar? But that is it. Yeah, so they get uh, taken around by a lot of different bird species, and those birds will like pop their seeds into little uh, crevices. They don't find them all, and so of course because they don't find them all, or they don't use them all, or whatever happens, now you get these little trees. That they're grow. saving them, or yeah, they're hoarding them for okay. the winter time when it gets cold. Oh, squirrels do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And a lot There's of rodents of will eat these as well. But here's where all this fascination also can come with a history relating to the phylogeny. Mm, Yeah, there we go. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. (laughs) Of these trees is that they're all very closely related. They intersperse and they hybridize. But what they did is they started filling in different niches and growing in certain areas. And so they started having these adaptations and evolving slowly over time into different species based on these adaptations. And the adaptations would be, let's say, in a drier climate with less per- less precipitation. Okay. Then you would have needle or trees that only have one or two needles per fascicle, and they have smaller seeds. Whereas if you are in a place that is a little bit, uh, has more favorable temperatures and a little bit more water, you end up getting more needles mm. and you end up getting bigger seeds okay so because of that bigger seeds and bigger cones so because of those little differences you start getting let's say these uh, one side seeds i think of the larger seeds are more indicative of having birds be the dispersers because they're a little bit bigger the birds can fly down they can pick them out wow. they're a little bit smaller more tends to have rodents find them and store them and hide them and eat them and so exactly why some some people are like well i think it has more to do with the fact that there is um less resources over here or harsher climates so the trees have to be a little bit more conservative smaller mm. needles fewer needles smaller cones gotcha over here, more resources, you can be a little bit more liberal. And then, because you're a little bit more liberal, birds can fly you way further away. And so you end up getting these weird, like, um, not only geologic things that are holding them together and climactic things that are holding them in certain places, making sure that 
essentially you have a certain gene pool stay in one area. Then you have this other thing that happens with the animals moving these things around as well. Yeah. You get these weird hybrids and then they disperse back to a different thing. You have these weird displays of genes come in. It's it's a really strange thing. Imagine a bunch of cousins way far removed that every now and then meet each other, interbreed and then become something else. By the time they're now no longer considered cousins, you know. Right, right. It's like, wow, okay, we're German and you are French. At some point there was, you know, one population that split maybe I don't know if that's true I'm really simplifying it just for the sake of this example so please don't call me out on on that it's gonna be someone who's like the tribes of Germany nah you're anyway essentially that's what that's what it would be like so I don't want to be like their cousins interbreeding that has a bad connotation sure this is more like well our ancestors were cousins at one point yes in the larger sense and then they come back they interbreed they exchange genes again that haven't been exchanged in say you know a couple thousand million years and then they have these new developments and then that becomes a species so it's just the strangest phylogeny as you look through these what a mess yeah it's a mess and it's uh, a lot of people will say well no this is one species with different varieties uh-huh. other people say no no no, no this is one species or there's three different species well but these ones interbreed so they must be the same species so they're going to do the see this is why I'm a lumper <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly. And I think that's I think that's fair. I think I think that's good of you to be a lumper. Thank you. I think it's it, it is um as this book that I'm reading will say, it's really honestly the eye of your beholder. It's a term we're going to introduce uh, later or we're going to come to later, but she uses the term Umwelt. Umwelt. Umwelt, which is essentially the German word for the perspective in the view of a uh of a, of people, of humans. That's a. I love German. They're the best. Yeah, <laughs> come up with the perfect that language way. is so incredible. Yeah, they 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 always have uh, like a name for everything. Like, oh, is that the the blue thing? Then they just take the word blue and thing and put it together. Right. And now the term for that thing is the blue thing. Yes. Hilarious. Have I told Casey? I'm sure I've told you my favorite German word. Uh, no. What is it? Uh, Kabelsalat. No. I'm I'm sure I'm saying Wait, that incorrectly. I think you have told yes. me this. It literally translates to cable salad. Yeah. <laughs> which is when we had wired headphones and you reached into your pocket to grab your Apple headphones and they were all they were all tangled up. It's just that, so that good. That was a cable salad. I love that that is the like I just think that's hilarious. It's so like needlessly effective language. <laughs> right? But like honestly it makes everything so easy to like, you know, figure out you know there's no question you got it oh i've got a cable salad in my pocket <laughs> oh, yeah, is that any better than saying oh my headphones are all fucked up i don't think so i think cable salad's much better yeah. well anywho so this tree it's i think it's a fascinating tree um for multiple reasons one it is a pine tree or a, a, a series of pine trees yeah and each one has weird things like there's some that only have four needles there are some that only have one needle and generally there's always going to be two three and five so as soon as you get like this one not variety but like the subsection symbroides this subsection of pine trees that just kind of throws everything out they're like nah we're gonna make these little tiny cones with huge seeds i'm gonna sometimes have one needle sometimes i'm gonna have four needles yeah and then it lives in like a desert area and they constantly interbreed they constantly constantly exchange things and then don't do it for millennia and then every now and then come back and like switch themselves up again and then on top of that when peoples came over they were like yeah we have all these cool things for you guys and they became such an intimate part of cultures of you know many many different tribes throughout an entire great basin region yeah. which alex did you know the great basin is like no water comes out of there <laughs> well only because we we recently sort of talked about this i just that blew my mind it's like a landlocked water system it's right? a landlocked watershed yeah yeah and it does there's no escape the great salt lake is where most of the water goes the great salt lake is the ocean of the great basin yes exactly which makes sense the great salt lake is huge yeah and obviously it's just there but I never, I never considered that. I was like, "Oh, water drains everywhere. At some point, it goes right. somewhere." And it in makes this case, sense. It doesn't. Yeah, it it's makes either sense. goes into the ground or the or flows to the Great Salt Lake. Yes, or just evaporates. And I, it, for some reason, that just like threw me. Whereas, yeah. like the Great Basin, sure, we call it Great Basin, and then I realized, no, it's a great basin. <laughs> it's a bowl, Casey. Nothing God, gets a, out. It's a great basin, huh? 
But just look at it. What a great basin. Yeah, it's a great basin. Did I say Great Salt Lake? Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. 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 Okay. You you cool? Yeah. I'm cool. Casey, with that, let's review the Pinion Pine, Pinus edulis, this delicious pine. Uh, Here's how we do it. Oh, I've got something for you. Oh, give it to me. We're going to give some final thoughts and then give it a rating of zero to 10. Golden Cones of Honor. Mm Mm-hmm. This season, we've kind of we've kind of gone back and forth. We started with Golden Michelin Cones of Honor, yeah, right, and we shortened it to Golden Cones of Honor. Yes, for, uh, of course, it was uh, uh, good reasons. It was a little hacky. I didn't I didn't love that from the beginning. Oh, right? okay, but it was what it was. Right, right, that's fair. I have a new suggestion halfway through this season. Mm-hmm. Golden Poems of Honor. Golden poem. I mean, that fits with our uh, with the 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 drawing that we had. Yes, All right. yeah. Golden Poems of Honor. Man, that's going to cause so many people so much trouble just for like trying to say cones and poems. Yeah. The well, M's and the yeah. N's. That's why it works. I love it. It's uh, lingually you're, uh, similar. You're brilliant. Thanks. You're welcome. I don't think this is the idea that to, to <laughs> this, tell me I'm brilliant. <laughs> this is what puts you over the edge, Alex. <laughs> All right, Casey, as a resident expert, we begin with you. All right. Thanks, Alex. Just glad to be here. So here's what I think about this tree. I think the pinion's a spectacular tree. I will admit fully that it is not a, uh, a, a superlative tree the way yeah. I usually like. You know, I, I I want a tree that's on every scale. Like if you're at the third, sixth, ninth story of a building, and you go outside and you look in that tree's just like looking you in the eye and, and was like been here for a long time. Sure, I like that. I like that about a tree. You like a tree that is the blank of something yes the biggest or the t- uh, widest or the tallest or the exactly t- smallest or something like that yeah. or that has like you know some wacky thing that like almost no other tree has right no offense there's everything about the the pinion it it's super cool but it, it doesn't have any of those categories sure so that's fine i love that you can eat the seeds mm-hmm. and i think they're so good like pine nuts pine seeds i know it comes from a different tree but in pesto oh my gosh pesto i love pesto more yeah. than anything Big pesto fan. Yeah, but that's that's from a different pine tree. It's from this Italian stone pine. And it, there's anyway, it's just so good. I think they're great. I love these little trees. When I first saw them, I was enamored by them mm. because they had like that bluish tinge and they were everywhere. But they're always like uh, contrasted with like this really orange or like red rock kind of gray mm. backdrop of like nothing. It's just they're growing in the the desert area where you'd only expect junipers any other place in the world, they take the junipers, uh, the juniper spot. And Casey, blue and orange, a perfectly complementary color scheme. Exactly. So by design, must be. Yeah. Because the the pinions were like, listen, someday someone's going to appreciate our blue tinged leaves against <laughs> these gorgeous, gorgeous cliffs. So we're going to evolve this way. Yeah. Just trust us you were the one to do it and here we are here we are you know what it all comes together i salute you i salute you 8.4 8.4 for the pinion pine lovely little but mighty wow. i adore that so much of it is so a part of a, just a multiple a mul- just everywhere everywhere down there is all about the pinion pine that's I'm, great I love that. casey what a great score 8.4 golden 8. poems 4. of honor that works really well that's for the great. pinion pine from renowned dendrologist Casey Clapp. Thank you, thank you. Please send money to at Arbitrary Pod. <laughs> Join the Patreon. <laughs> Alex, <clears throat> what about you? You've seen a lot of it. You've tasted it. You've yeah. smelled it. You've held it in your hands because I brought cones over the other day. Casey, that's right. You brought a small bowl of pinion pine cones. Yep. Casey, we're on the same page. What? All right, guy. Tell me. Pinion pine has my admiration. It has my respect. Yep. I love a tree that is like a cornerstone of a diet Mm -hmm. for like a group of people. Mm. Um, Of course, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Oh, the 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 Hopi, the Navajo. No, 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 not the peoples. Uh, Gotcha. A tree that is like uh, uh, Pehuen. Yes. uh, Also, the uh, Western Red Cedar. Yes. Just like a centerpiece of uh, of a society. Mm -hmm. Mm Hmm. Um. I think it's a great looking tree. I don't need a tree to be huge. I've told you this before. I yeah. like a tree that I can see the entire thing. Yep, exactly. Uh, I don't love going into a pine forest and looking up and not even being able to see the tops of the trees. Yeah, you could see the tops of every tree. Uh, you'd be probably about half as high as most of them. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I love I love that it's 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 small ish, but it it is unique and it's friendly looking, mm-hmm. beautiful color. I love that it is a delicious nut, but it's also extremely versatile. You can make flowers out of it. You can make thickening agents for soups. You can grind the fuck out of it, and make some pesto if you like. Yes, you could. Um, Casey, we're when I say we're on the same page, I mean it literally. Maybe not literally, but I mean it exactly. Eight point four. That's excellent. I, when when we agree, I feel like that should like bloop, 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 like oh. put this tree up where it's like if if you and I both in in the the silly ways that our minds think, yeah, come on the same come on to the same thing, yeah. That's beautiful. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations to the pinion pine, Pinus edulis. Uh, great tree. What a great tree. I, re- I have a lot of admiration for this tree. I'd yeah. love to see one with my own eyeballs. Hey, all you got to do is go down to the southwest or to Idaho. Can do. Mm-hmm. It's right across the border. That was our review of the pinion pine. We have a brand new segment, Casey. <gasps> what? This is a segment, you say? We asked you, the listener, to send us your gripes and grievances about trees. Oh, yes. This is Plant Rant. A tree that is invasive or a plant that makes you itchy. Fruit dropped on the sidewalk where your shoes can get all sticky. Tell us your thoughts. If you need a place to share your complaints about tree stuff, we'll put them on air. It's your plant rant. Two to three minutes, please. Plant rant. This obviously includes trees. Plant rant. We can't wait to hear from you. Casey, this is Plant Rant. Alex, Alex, thank you for that so much. You're welcome as always. (laughs) Two to three minutes, please. That's our time limit. (laughs) Casey, this week's Plant Rant is from Deanna Dress. Let's hear what Deanna has to say. Hi, my name's Deanna Dress. I am from Ohio, and this is my Plant Rant. Growing up in Ohio was regrettable for many reasons, but one of them was growing up with cottonwood trees in my backyard. I nominate this tree for firewood due to its mess-making capability and its fragility. Let's talk about the nasty clumps of crap that this tree produces every June and July. We end up with a blanket of sad tree byproduct that is only useful for clogging air conditioning units or when it's set on fire alongside a driveway. It also produces these, like, sticky pods in the spring, which stick to your shoes and your dog and pretty much everything else, and they stain everything yellow. I have to power wash my sidewalk now due to a tree. No thanks. Being stuck with this garbage tree for most of my childhood was fine, except for the shards of sticks constantly in the yard stabbing at my feet or flinging out of the lawnmower at my ankles. I have beef with poplars in general for their fragility. Why are these disease-prone, insect-ridden nuisances planted everywhere in suburban areas? I understand they're fast-growing, but it's just not worth it, and they have messed up many a foundation. Thank you for listening to my plant rant, and I look forward to hearing your opinion. Casey. (laughs) Ah, that was so good. A cottonwood hater. Yeah. What are your thoughts on cottonwoods, Case? Welcome to the club. Oh, wow. I, well, okay, I'm not quite in that club, but it's a club. There are a lot of people in it. Deanna really is is like a card-carrying member. Yeah, probably one of the founders, it sounds like. Yeah. That's a great thing. Growing up in Ohio, regrettable as that already (laughs) is, there is this tree. (laughs) I like that she nominated it for firewood. Yeah, which is funny because actually it's the worst tree for firewood. It's usually really wet, kind of smells a little bad. And it uh, doesn't really grow or uh, it, like decays really quickly. So as there opposed, you go. To, yeah. So it's even bad for firewood. What's this tree good for? Casey, I'm curious about this staining things yellow. Yeah. What's the deal with that? It, so they have, um, uh, Conwoods is populous. Over there, it's probably populous deltoides, um, the eastern cottonwood, or uh, there's another one I can't think of, the eastern one. Okay. Um, it has a single bud scale over the new growth that it puts on uh, every year. Oh. And so then when that opens up, that single scale kind of sheaths and rips open. I know exactly what you're talking about. There you go. And then it lands on the ground, and then it stains it a little bit. It has a lot of um, 
uh, nectar and things in it. Like it smells very, oh. very like thick, that, uh, very sweet. That little papery sheath, yeah, is yeah. what stains it stuff yellow. As far as I know, yeah. At least that's what it sounds like she's saying. Uh, that's what they're finding. But there's also like the catkins that come down that put out the initial flowers. Oh. Those could do it. The leaves probably don't because obviously they're not falling down. But yeah. it's that very first flush and everything, all the new bits and parts that fall out. So the first flowers in the sheath of that. Um, the cone scale. Interesting. Yes, but she's not wrong in every other way. Cottonwoods, of course, are called such because their seeds are covered with this very cottony fluff that then blows around and makes Christmas in July. We have like, it looks like it's been snowing everywhere. Right. And they grow really big. They grow really fast. They're early successional trees and they just are so bad at surviving. They're great at growing and reproducing. But if you like nick them one place and mm. they get a little hole, they decay in like five minutes. Wow. There's some huge ones out there that get like absolutely massive, especially in the, the like inner mountain west, like Colorado and like that sort of the Great Basin area. Yeah. Some of those cottonwoods, which are a couple different species, they grow and just crush it all the time because they're like the only things that can grow big out there. Wow. And usually they're always indicative of where water's at because they're water-loving species. Hmm. You'll never see them growing in the middle of a desert where there's no water. Poplars are? Uh, specifically the cottonwoods. Okay, yeah. okay. And so they end up uh, falling over here in the West, like really easily hmm. in the Pacific Northwest. Um, ours is the black cottonwood, which is a populous trek or... Uh, I almost said Trachycarpa. Is that it? Yeah. Trachycarpa? Populous Trachycarpa. You want me to Google it? I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, And so they grow out here. They're a wonderful tree for habitat. And I think that's the nice judicious way of putting it. For habitat. Yes. Okay. Now, we've talked about habitat like in the old growth forest uh, um, talk that we had once. Yeah. And Oh, I see what you're saying. When trees get holes in them and they get decayed and they fall over and they lay in streams <laughs> and they get knocked over, they create great habitat. Yes. They're bad at being trees at least for uh, at least after maybe 50 years but they grow really fast put all of their efforts into growing as big as they possibly can their wood is fairly brittle they grow very large and they don't mind if they fall apart they don't mind if they fall over they've put out a million seeds every single year and they will just grow back anew wherever they are these trees have the big picture in mind they are servants of nature exactly they're not there to be big to be cool and showy they're like I know I'm gonna die in five seconds so I'm just gonna go for yeah. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you're planted, so my bet is actually, I don't know if um, if this is correct uh, in terms of the species Deanna's talking about, but they don't, they're never planted anywhere in, in like cities or urban areas. Yeah. They just grow. And if one mm. was growing somewhere, they're not invasive in the sense of like the... Um, uh, the tree of heaven or something like that. Sure. But if they have an opportunity to grow, they will. They're good growers. They're great growers. And they're just going to start shooting up all over the place mm. in and around wherever they happen to be. And then they'll start growing up. Everyone will be like, oh, cool, this is great. Or there's like a wetland area. Then they'll be like, that'll be a fertile ground for them to just keep on growing. I see. Uh, if you're in Portland and you want to see uh, like a great example, go to uh, Kelly Point Park. Uh, there's a thousand there. Or go to the Children's Arboretum, Columbia Children's Arboretum. They have a, a, a part of the Columbia River Slough, and they're growing all over the place. And I see. Just, they're all over the place out there. So those, they'll grow in your yard and then they'll grow up and people don't know necessarily what kind of tree they are. So they're just like, oh, cool, I got a tree. Or they just look away and 10 minutes later, look back and they have a big tree because mm. it grows so fast. And they're like, okay, I got a big tree. I guess that's it. And then they don't realize that the branches are super fragile was the word she used. I think brittle is another good term. Okay. And they just break. So everyone hates these trees. They don't like climbing them. They don't like taking them down because you, you just can't trust them. Yeah, they, it doesn't sound like you'd want to climb it. You really don't. Yeah, you don't want to do it because then all of a sudden a branch is going to break randomly and you're like, ooh, I don't really want to do that. Well, thank you, Deanna, so much for your plant rant. If you have a plant rant, email it to alex at arbitrarypod.com. That's me. Yeah, you know what? I have no idea. He just shows this up. We have different emails now, so I can't do it. That's right. This is a surprise for Casey. Casey, it's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. That was, was a great transition. <laughs> just a hard left turn. <laughs> Thank you. This week's question is from Katie Zipman. Katie says, hi, Casey and Alex. What's up, Katie? 
I have a Portland slash Pacific Northwest specific tree question. Ooh, interesting. This podcast knows nothing of that. <laughs> and then uh, Katie gave us some very nice uh, compliments right after that. Nice. That's how you get your question. <laughs> Here's the question. One tree that has puzzled me since moving here is the tropical-esque palm trees. Ah, yes. I've seen them dotted around. How do they thrive in the colder months and during the dry summers? I think of palm trees living in 365 humid, warm climates. Uh, Katie uh, gave us a picture of a couple palm trees. uh, Case, not Katie, Casey. Uh, I have some palms growing down the street here. Yes, you do. And we talked about them on our uh, Tree Trek Patreon episode Mm -hmm. and how in, in Northeast Portland... And I'm sure other places in Portland. Yeah. Palm trees are grown outside of apartment complexes that look <laughs> like Californian architecture. Yeah, they're trying to make it very southwesternly. Yes. You should plant a pinion pine, honestly. That's a good that's a good point. That's a that's slightly that's not very much that's not very LA. Yeah. I, I guess think they're that's going true. for specifically an LA look oh, with these places. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, but Casey, so Katie wonders what these uh, palm trees are. What are these palm trees? Well, that's a great question. It is a a divisive subject in the arboricultural world, if we can even call them palm trees to begin with. Wow. But this is Trachycarpus fortuni, uh, or fortunae, fortunii, one of those. Okay. um, Which is called the chassoon palm, or the Chinese windmill palm, and it is... uh, it's a the only species of palm tree or palm plant um, that grows high enough in latitudes. I think it's from uh, essentially we eastern China. It's in somewhere in China is where it's from. I'm not sure if it's the east or west or the whole kind of area. Okay. Um, but they are hardy enough to actually grow in the northernish latitudes that you can actually get some snow or freezing temperatures. Which here in Portland we get down to I think it's zone eight and now it's kind of rising which is the USDA zones. And the lower that that number is, they go down, if you're zone 10, zone 9, zone this, mm-hmm. um, as you go down, it essentially goes down by 10 degrees in the m- average lowest temperature. Oh, so Wisconsin is like a... a, a zone, zone 4, two. zone 3. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Really low. I see, interesting. Um, so this is the only one that can grow down to this area. So its its zone is the... And this is the USDA zone, so it's not you know worldwide. Okay. Um, but th- they goes between zone 7 and 10, so it can just oh, barely wow. get into our area. I can't remember what zone 8 is. I think it's like negative 10 degrees or something like that. Okay. Or maybe zero, because anywhere in Portland, you might get way down to like the teens or the zero ones, zero twos. But mm-hmm. getting down to like zero degrees Fahrenheit in the city of Portland, almost unheard of. Yeah. So this is the only species that can grow. So if someone's like, I want to plant a palm tree in the Hollywood district in Portland, they're all over the place because it's Hollywood district. They want to plant a palm tree. (laughs) It's true. So it's honestly, I, I'm a fan of, um, architecture and landscape architecture of a place, you know? Yeah, me one, too. One of my nursery friends, um, over at Sistus Nursery, Sean, he basically is like, there is no like plant design for the Portland, for the Pacific Northwest, other than like, you know, our big conifers. Sure. That's, that's yeah, I would that. say that is the sort of the design. I mean, I, your friend would know better than me, but yeah. our, isn't, isn't our brand sort of big conifers? It is, but there's also like, we bring over a lot of Eastern species over here yeah. that makes our streets and our roads, for all intents and purposes, look the same as what you'd see in a street tree planting in Massachusetts or any other city that's, you know, medium sized to large. Large. Okay. So it when you bring all the other plants over um, with this specific variety, this species, this palm tree, everyone's like, well, we're trying to make it look like, you know, L.A. We're trying to make it look like Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is fine. But it's like, well, you're not in Hollywood. You're not in L.A. Why don't you just embrace the place that you are sure. and plant trees that will, you know, not look so out of place. Like having a gigantic conifer growing in like the middle of some tropical thing. For whatever reason, a giant sequoia is growing down in Shanghai. You're like, what? Yeah. Why is that there? Maybe not Shanghai. That's a bad example. But uh, anywhere in Indonesia or something like that, you're just like, well, this just seems so out of place. Like it's way, it's just the textures are clashing in every way. For sure. So in this case, they're not bad. They're wonderful. uh, They're wonderful little trees. They they do exactly what a palm tree does, which is essentially nothing. (laughs) Wow. If that's what you're going for, that's good. 
Casey's plant rant. Hey, yeah, you put a you put a palm tree in a place, and it's just going to grow right there. It's not going to get any bigger than like six oh, or eight feet go. across. And it's like, well, come on, if you plant any other tree, it's going to do way better. It's going to look cooler. It's not going to be all silly. You're going to have this funny little head. I will agree with you. Palm trees in Portland and maybe everywhere are of little form over function. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's very true, which is right. like it's a decision you're making, and that's fine. I support that you're making a decision. Cool. Anyway, yeah, that's the tree. It's a uh, yeah, the Chasun Palm is the way I know it, and it's a uh, it's 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 um, fine. <laughs> well, thank you, Katie, <laughs> for your question. A question that was more than fine. Yes, you have to start going down to like Central California to get other species, like the Phoenix, the Washington uh, Palm, like a bunch of bigger ones start growing down there. Central-ish California down. Got it. Then you can start getting them growing crazy in the tropics. Coconut palm. Oh, yeah. Banana palm. Bananas are not palms. I Mm. love when you say things, Alex. You you love when I say things the way that you like a person loves like a dumb dog. No, like, look yeah. at how silly and stupid they are. <laughs> no, that's trying to eat no. a rock. <laughs> if you have a question for Casey about trees or other related topics, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod or follow us on Instagram and follow us on Instagram. I think I do that every single time. We have lots of fun things happening there. You can see a bunch of pictures and stuff. And that's a good way to follow the podcast's news. Yeah, we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. We sure do, man. And hey, if you want to support the podcast, go to our Patreon. Support the Patreon. Patreon.com slash ArbitraryPod. You can join the Arboretum for two extra episodes a month about other related topics and trees. Or the Cone of the Month Club, where you get a unique die-cut cone sticker illustrated by an independent artist every single month in your mailbox. Mm-hmm. Your physical mailbox, not your Gmail inbox. Yeah, it's the one you have to go outside for. A lot of people forget it's even there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bill. It's just a, uh, a junk mail receptacle. Yeah, that's where I get uh, ads for um, uh, Bed Bath & Beyond. Yep, Burger King. Yeah, things that I have uh, never gone to. Papa Murphy's. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I guess you can, I don't like it. It's just it's junk mail. Yeah. Anyway. This is, now this is the hot, this is a hot take. Yeah, this is not junk mail. This, <laughs> this is, is, yeah. Straight, I was going to say this, this, you and I talking about the woes of junk mail yeah. is straight out of like a hack 1994 <laughs> comedian. Yeah, right? Yeah. What have we reviewed so far? Let's see, we got three trees and like junk mail. This is, <laughs> this is a chock full episode. Casey, that brings us to the end of this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Yes, it does. I'm going to go get a bunch of pine nuts. Mm. I'm going to order them. And when I'm buying them, I'm going to be like, you know, these are seeds, right? (laughs) Anyway, thanks. The cashier rolls their eyes. Thanks for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 